0: the lord hallelujah oh that we would always cry out unto the lord for he is our source amen so good to see you at christian embassy this morning second service you guys are looking well some of you are looking good ah stop it pastor tim you are looking good the ones that i can see through the bright lights all of you are tuning in we welcome you uh, we thank God for you all around the world. We, we get news back from you that these cameras were able to reach out to you and other nations and other cities and circumstances. And we just pray God's blessing upon you today as well. Come on, Christian Embassy. Let's welcome everyone who's joining us live. We welcome you guys. Hallelujah. And it's so good to have Evangelist Newberry and his wife Linda Hearn with us today. I'm telling you, what a blessing. A gentleman I got to meet with the men's huddle in our D.C. uh, as we were going there from the National Mall. Uh, Evangelist that's been working with Reinhard Bunke for many, many years and doing training for their intercessors. And uh, so good to have you guys this morning. We welcome you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. To God be the glory. What a testimony these two have and how God works miraculously. And we know that here at Christian Embassy. We serve a miracle-working God. Amen. Amen. And if you haven't experienced a miracle recently, I pray after today you will be ready to march into a miracle week and see the hand of God move mightily in your life. I'm excited about what God's laid on my heart to share with you. I was sharing with the first service this morning, and uh, I am so excited. it went a little over. I hope it was okay. They all was hugging me afterwards. I think it was. But we are in a day and an age where uh, Christianity has come under a time. And uh, the basis of Christianity being the Word of God has been a target And I want to share with you, the Holy Spirit has given this to me, and I want to share with you so that you can go into this week and go into your Christian walk knowing that you can trust the Bible. You can trust the Bible. I'm here to tell you, before you leave here today, I pray that you would have more confidence in the Word of God than you've ever had before. Because the Word of God is real. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. The Word of God can get to the midst of even the bone and marrow and the thoughts and the intents of the heart and bring forth truth and revelation and bring forth power. And I'm telling you, it can bring forth the miracle hand of God to bring change in our lives. The Bible, the best-selling book, it is the the most quoted, it is the most published, it is the most circulated, it is the most translated, it is the most influential book in history of mankind. And you and I have the privilege of holding it, studying it, learning it, quoting it, declaring it speaking forth it, living according to it, and seeing the Word work in our lives. Hallelujah. There's no other book close to it. Supernatural! We've got to see the power of the Word of God. But I'm telling you, in the beginning, if you remember, God gave His Word to Adam and Eve. And what did Satan... First thing he did... The first thing he did when he gets cast out of heaven onto this earth is he goes to Adam and Eve and gets them to question the word of God. Did God really say, no, God really didn't say that. didn't really mean it that way. You know, let's just change things to go along to your, your, your appetite right now. It's that first thing that he did to Jesus when Jesus steps out in ministry. If you'll remember in the wilderness, as the Holy Spirit had led him from the baptism, Father God spoke, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And now, what does Satan do? He says, if you are the son of God. He's questioning the word of God. And Jesus rebukes him and says, I'm not going to turn the stone to bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out Of the mouth of God. I'm telling you the devil has not changed his tactics. He is not very creative. So all you got to do is learn his ways. And you know his way is to attack the word of God. If it is the standard. If it is the moral code. If it is the compass. If it is the plumb line that you're building your life by. If it is a source of power for you. Then the devil is going to attack it. And he is. He is. Let me tell you what, people are questioning the Word of God like I've never seen before. You see on social media a vicious attacks of anyone that doesn't just tolerate and say, oh, we're just going to tolerate any lifestyle. We're going to tr- tolerate any activity. We're going to tolerate any... Even though those activities and lifestyles would lead, lead to human extinction... Uh, you, you would think common sense just to say for the, for the, the continuance of the human race, we can't, we can't go along with this. But no, they attacked the Word of God. You can't believe that Bible. Oh, that outdated piece of man-made, a twisted thing. It wasn't even written in the right language. I'm telling you, people want to, by the spirit of darkness, they want to challenge the Word of God. And I'm telling you, the devil's done the same thing to you. I know we're sitting here with our little dime store halos on or Dollar Tree halos on, but let me tell you why. Let's turn it off. Well, yours didn't work. Okay, it was only a dollar. That's why it's not working. But you can just let that little flickering halo just dimmer for a minute. Come on now. We've all been tempted by the devil. He's come to us just like he came to Jesus. He's come to us just like he came to Adam and Eve in the garden and says, you really can't trust that Bible. You can't trust the Word of God. Did it really say that? Does it really mean that today? This is 2019, this 21st century. That's not trending. That's not trending. we got to go with what's trending. Come on now. You better hashtag and not let that thing lead you off the path of righteousness. The enemy wants, to question, wants you to question the Word of God. Well, how can we know the Bible is just not an ancient book of fiction and folklore, the devil will say? You know, haven't the contents of the Bible been tampered with down through the centuries? You know it has. Isn't it out of sync with scientific discoveries? I mean, that's what the devil will do. And, and he will try to make you discount the word of God. And, and these are questions. There's nothing wrong with critical thinking. There's nothing wrong with you looking, and, but you go find the answer. Well, I pray today that the Holy Spirit will use me in this series. It can't be done in one service. So I believe, Lord Terry, we're going to be here next several weeks, and we're going to be looking at it from different angles about how you can trust the Bible. I want you to be a people that know this Word is solid, that if you build your house on this rock, a tornado can come and you'll still be standing. A hurricane can come and you'll still be standing. Life circumstances can send wind and rain, but I'm telling you, you'll still be standing... Because because you're established. You're established on the rock of God's Word and His truth and His power. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm just telling you in Second Peter 1 and 21, according to the Scripture, the Bible says, For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God. This is how we got it. Holy men of God, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Here at Christian Embassy, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, we don't want to quench. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, the author of this book. You're present here with us to minister the Word, to teach the Word, to bring illumination to the revelation that we receive from you as God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. You see in 2 Timothy 3 and 16, he says all Scripture. Now we've done the Greek research on all, and all means all. We even went to Hebrew for all, and all means all. We said we'll go to Latin, see what Latin means for all, and it means all. So I'm telling you, without debate, all Scripture... Is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration is God breathed. What we have in the Word of God is God's breath, it's God's life. He has given His life to us in and through His Word, and it's profitable. It is good for you. It will help you, hallelujah, for doctrine and reproof, for correction and for instruction in righteousness. I want to share with you five evidences for the Bible and it's authenticity and why you can trust it there are many many more but like I said for the sake of time I want us to look at these five this morning and there's an acrostic that can help you remember these its faces okay faces okay so the first one is the fulfilled prophecy how can you know the Word of God is the Word of God it is true it is supernatural it is a divine work that God has given to us well, first, because of fulfilled prophecy. Just think about it you've got sports analysts and you 've got the weather forecasters. they all like to make predictions of future events and and, uh, you know, our, our, you know they, they fail. They've got just a week or a day looking ahead. And many times they fail and we're like, okay, humans just really can't get it. They said it was going to be highs of 80. And why is it 92 degrees? I mean, it was just 24 hours ago. Where, where, what were they thinking? They've got all this equipment and all this stuff. What, what happened here? And uh, so we see that these little short-term prophecies of certain team is going to win or certain such and such is going to happen and then things happen differently. And that's just a day or a week out. Here we look at the Bible and we see that one of the reasons that Bible's fulfilled prophecies are so astounding is because over and over again, over years and hundreds of years and thousands, I'm telling you, we see that what God said would happen has happened. Hallelujah over and over and over the authors of the bible have rightly foretold the future events I'm telling you and it is and then many times hundreds and hundreds of years in advance that could not happen without god see the bible is literally filled from cover to cover with hundreds and hundreds of specific detail not just general, but detailed prophecies about persons and places and events and many of these which have already come to pass and everyone came to pass exactly like God foretold. I mean, consider a few of the prophecies regarding Jesus. If we were just look at some of those, long before Jesus was born, the Old Testament prophets told us that a Savior was going to be coming who would make a way for mankind to be forgiven of our sins and reconciled to God. And the Old Testament, they prophesied that this Savior, that He would be born of the seed of Abraham. I mean, this is being prophesied from Genesis chapter 12, that He would be coming to us from the seed of Abraham. And He would be coming out of the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah. I mean, and now when we, Jesus was born, guess where? Everything that was prophesied was come come to pass. That He would also be of the lineage of David. And Micah said that he would be born in Bethlehem and that he would come in a day and an age when the temple would be standing. And guess what? Jesus was born in a day and age when he was able to go into the temple. The Bible prophesied and said that he would be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7 and 14. That he would open the blinded eyes and unstop the ears of the deaf and he would cause the blind to see and the lame to walk. Isaiah 35 goes and prophesies that he would be all of this. We get into Psalms 118 verse 22 and it says he would be rejected by his own people. And we see that fulfilled even in John 1 and 11 when He came to His own and His own did not receive Him. I'm telling you, on and on, as the scriptures foretold precise times in history, to even telling us that he would die and how he would die. Uh, Daniel 9:24 tells us when he would die, and, and you get into Psalms 22 and it says how he would die. Isaiah 53 goes into the details of him being pierced and being hung on a cross. And this says then there was never even a crucifixion up to this time. The prophets are speaking about something that has never even happened. There never been a crucifixion, but they said he would be pierced and he would be hung on a tree. And then the Bible prophesied in Psalm 16 and 10 that he would rise from the dead. Sheol would not hold him down but he would rise. Acts 2 and 27 and 20, uh, through verse 32 tells us how Jesus went into upper Hades and those when he would, died and went into upper Hades and he set the captives free. All the Old Testament saints that were there by the blood of lambs and blood of doves. But they couldn't go before Father God with the blood of an animal they had to have the sinless blood of Jesus so they were in that holding place of Abraham's bosom called upper Hades. and Jesus goes in and says sets the captives free and now that his blood was shed and their old covenant was not done away with but swallowed up and fulfilled in the new covenant of Jesus and they're able to be presented to the Father let me tell you what prophecy after prophecy of Jesus that was given. There's over 58 prophecies specific about Jesus, every one fulfilled. But the students in this uh, university, by their professor, they said, we're going to do the statistics and we're going to look at the numbers and and we're going to figure out how, uh, uh, if just eight of the prophecies of Jesus were fulfilled, not the 58 or the 60 uh, and the hundreds of applications of those, but let's just look at eight what would be the probability so they did a study and for the time and distance and different authors and all of these eight prophecies and how far for how long early they were foretold before jesus came and fulfilled them and they did that run their numbers and it came out to 10 to the 28th power and you say well what does that mean well that probability would be like this that if you were to take a one dollar bill a one dollar coin you know a silver dollar and you were to go and do it 120 feet high and cover the state of Texas with 12-story building, but it's all silver dollars. You put a mark on one of those, and there you've got all these silver dollars covering the state of Texas 120 feet high, and you blindfold someone, and they go in, and the probability of them finding the one blindfolded out of all those silver dollars and it being the one with the mark on it, that's the probability that Jesus could fulfill eight of the prophecies. He did 58 to 60 of those prophecies. So I'm telling you, mathematically, it, the probability is so high that it is an impossibility that, that this could be made up. It is an impossibility that this cannot be believed. God is giving us evidence through fulfilled prophecy. You can trust the Bible. And there are hundreds and hundreds of other prophecies about the rise and the fall of nations and prophecies about the regathering of the Jewish people back into their homeland. And on and on. Prophecies we're even seeing fulfilled even today. And these prophecies are overwhelming evidence that these men spoke with the aid of the all-knowing, all all-powerful God who has written the Bible for us. God breathed for us. Hallelujah. Isaiah 46, 9 says, I am God, and there is none like me. I declare the end from the beginning. How can God be so accurate? How can God beat the probabilities in such a way that only eight blows our mind? And he's done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. How is it? He said, I am the God. There's none like me. I declare the end from the beginning. It's easy for him to tell you the details of how it's all going to happen because he's working from the end to the beginning, not the beginning to the end. He's not on this lineage of time and this linear time and seeing it as we see it unfold. He's already been here. He's already done. He is God. There is no limit of time with him. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, he says, I know because I have set it all up. Hallelujah. There's no one else can do this. Fulfilled prophecy tells us that we can trust the Bible. No other book has this. No other work of man has this. We have a supernatural book, the Word of God. Secondly, archaeological evidence. That's our A and faces there. Many critics who will brush off the Bible as complete folklore and legend, they overlook the thousands, not hundreds, but thousands of archaeological discoveries over the past century that have verified the historical reliability of the Bible. One of them, secular archaeologists, he's not trying to prove anything, he's not a Christian, he's not in any way trying to promote the Bible, but he is known to be one of the ones that has done most of the archaeological discoveries in the Middle Eastern area, and uh, he says this, no archaeological discovery has ever controverted or overturned a biblical reference. Here's a secular archaeologist, the one who is renowned as being the the best and the most experienced of all archaeologists in the Bible area, says no discovery. Never has there been a discovery that has overturned a biblical reference. Scores of archaeological findings have been made which confirm in clear outline or in exact detail historical statements in the Bible. He said, nonetheless, everything we find, it it goes right along and proves that what the Bible said is true. And by the same token, proper evaluation of biblical descriptions has often led to amazing discoveries. So much so that we archaeologists, we now take the Bible and let it be our roadmap to go and know where to dig. Because if it said there was a wall here at Jericho, we know we can dig here and we're going to find something. And they did. And they did. Hallelujah. And these are the words of, of a man, like I said, who's uncovered over 1,500 ancient sites in the Middle East, known as the most renowned archaeologist. And he says, wait a minute. This thing, everything we find backs the Bible up so much that we go to the Bible now to go help us for new digs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then there's James Mann of U.S. News and World Report. He said a wave of archaeological discoveries is altering the old ideas about the roots of Christianity and Judaism and affirming, here's another secular writer, News guy, and affirming that the Bible is more historically accurate than many scholars thought. Wow! And then there's Dr. Clifford Wilson, former director of Australian Institute of Archaeology. He said, it is remarkable that where confirmation is possible and has come to light, that the Bible stands investigation in ways that are unique in all literature. It's like there's nothing like it. Its superiority to attack, its capacity to withstand criticism, its amazing facility to be proved right, after after all are all staggering by all standards of scholarship seemingly assured results disproving the Bible have all backfired every time somebody goes in and says we're gonna prove the Bible wrong we're gonna dig here and prove the Bible wrong Boop! it backfires on them and again again proves that the Bible is vindicated Wow I'm here to tell you today, you can trust the Bible. You can go to the archaeological evidence and you can see from secular uh, archaeologists that everything that the Bible has said is true. Nothing has disproved the Bible. Nothing has caught the Bible in error. You can trust the Bible, I'm here to tell you. Another reason you can trust the Bible is the consistency it has from the beginning to the end. From the first book of Genesis to the last book of the book of Revelation, the Bible is consistently uh, uh, unified in in what it teaches. I'm telling you, there's no other book that could be written over the year span and over the different authors and over the different geography and over the different times and have that unless there was a single author and we know that that was the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible addresses its life's most controversial questions. It doesn't back away from the things that people question the most. How did the universe come into existence? We've got it in the Bible. Does God exist? We find the answer in the Bible. If so, what is God like? We find it in the Bible. Uh, why does man exist? We find it in the Bible. What is our purpose for being here? We find it in the Bible. Is there evil? Yes, we find it in the Bible. Why is there suffering in the world? Because of that evil, we find it in the Bible. What happens to us when we die? We Find it in the Bible. All these controversial questions of life, we find them right there in the Bible. Hallelujah. And here, the Bible is this collection of 66 different books or documents that, that, that uh, might be easy if we had one book to have that consistent theme, but we got 66 books that we have, but the consistent theme, there's no controversy. See, the Bible was written approximately with 40 different authors. Can you imagine that? Getting 40 people to keep the same theme and the same story, uh, uh, moving through different covenants and dispensation to bring it to the final end of what God declared in the beginning. Someone came to me after the first service and they said, you know, my eyes were opened up. I just saw it. You know, they're in the garden after Adam and Eve sinned, that they God came and, and clothed them with animal skins. There was a shedding of blood. There the sacrifice, blood, sin, cost a blood sacrifice. Well, the Bible talks about in Genesis 3 about the proto-evangelicum, that God was going to send one that was going to crush the head of the serpent, that there was going to be one that had sinless blood. That animals just represent a covering, but the sinless blood of Jesus the proto-evangelicum he was going to restore and reconcile he was talking about Jesus in the garden of Eden hallelujah oh we can see how God has kept it together because God is the author of this great book see many of the Bible's authors they came from different educational and cultural backgrounds and I'm telling you there is a challenge right there this past year, uh, last summer, we were in Europe, and I think we were in like 11 countries, and, and we'd be driving along, and we'd see one, the, language, the signs would change. It would be another language. We didn't know what it was. There was no welcome sign saying, welcome to this country. We, maybe it was we couldn't read it. I didn't know. And one of the greatest frustrations I had after two weeks was not hearing my language. He's seeing all this different culture and all this different language in all these different 11 countries and, and my mind, the televisions, the radio, everything was in their language and, and I, didn't, I didn't know what that feeling was. I'd never experienced, but there was, a, there was an agitation. There was an uncomfortable. There was a challenge. There was a stress. There was a stress there because I didn't know what was being said and one of the last nights we were in Romania and we were sitting around the table uh, eating with the family there and uh, our, our missionary friends and friends and, uh, and I just started singing, God bless America. And tears started running down. I was feeling that thing. I was feeling it. So the kids still laugh at me about it. I needed to just come and hear English. I just needed to come and not because when you're driving for 13 14 days in all these 11 countries and that you got the stress we had a stick shift that's all we had and nobody could drive a stick shift but me so here we I'm like so there's all this stress and then it was when I would try to de-stress when we get somewhere I'm still not knowing what's going on I'm telling you is that sign am I breaking the law am I not I don't know are they gonna lock me up I don't know But uh, here, they had all these authors, and they're coming from different educational backgrounds. They're coming from different cultural backgrounds. Peter was a fisherman. Paul was a scholar. Daniel was prime minister. Asaph was a musician. Matthew, a tax collector. David, a shepherd, then a king. Luke, a historian and a doctor. You know, they had all these different things. And then it's being written over this 1,500-plus-year period, not that the Bible only covers 1500 years but in the actual writing of the Bible the writing was a 1500 plus year period and most of these authors did not even know each other they were separated by hundreds of miles geographically and separated by many, many years and, and predominantly on three continents. You've got Africa and Asia and Europe where they're written from, where Paul's writing from Rome and John's writing when he's banished to the uh, Isle of Patmos in the Mediterranean Sea and then you've got prophet uh, Ezekiel's writing when he's held captive in Babylon. So you've got all these different continents that are represented, different things like that and then different languages. I mean, you got Hebrew, you got Aramaic, you got Greek, or the three basic languages that you find in the Bible. And here, can you imagine pulling all of this together? Forty different pe- people spread over 1500 a fifteen hundred period plus time, three different continents who speak different languages, having to write sixty-six different documents regarding life's most controversial questions, and and and, and let me tell you what, and dealing with the most serious issues of life, and this book you would think would be so confusing and difficult to read, but it's not. I'm telling you, it is perfectly harmonious. Uh, It's consistent. It has uh, the flow of the account of God seeking to reconcile sinners like you and me back unto Himself. That internal consistency is powerful evidence that the authors of the Bible were being guided by the singular force and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit in their writing. So we have that consistency from beginning to end is evidence that you can trust the Bible. Hallelujah. And then there's extra biblical writings. I love this one. Because these are the secular humanists. These are those that have no... They're they're not trying to back Christianity. They don't really care about Christianity. They never say they embrace Christianity. They're They're just doing what they do as secular human beings and we look at their writings that come alongside the Bible, extra-biblical, uh, of that same day and age, these writings that were done that correspond with the writings of the Bible, and every one of them proved that what the Bible said is true. I I, I don't know about you, but this is exciting to me to know that these external sources verify that 50 persons mentioned in the Old Testament and 30 persons mentioned in the New Testament were actual historical figures. So anybody tells you the Bible's folklore, you say, you don't know what you're talking about. And anybody tells you, you got to uh, uh, accept the lifestyle that's opposite what God teaches, and you got to accept uh, doing things according to uh, what's trending today, who cares about that old Bible, that thing's ancient, it doesn't matter. You tell them, you don't know what you're talking about. That even uh, secular, extra-biblical writers that were writing in the day and the time proved to us there were 50 persons in the Old Testament who were exactly who they said, living when they said the Bible says they were. We're living, and this is secular society backing it up, and 30 in the New Testament. And then they go in the engravings on uh, uh, the artwork and the statues and so forth, and 18, 12 from the Old Testament and uh, 6 from the New Testament, uh, have we actually have renderings of what these people look like. So we don't have a picture of them, but we've got a statue of them to actually see what they look like. These extra-biblical writings have helped corroborate Numerous details in the Bible, including the details surrounding Jesus' life. There are many critics of Christianity today who tell us that Jesus never existed. I mean, can you imagine? But it happens. This is absurd and only demonstrates their ignorance and the facts that they're willing to overlook so that they can stay focused on the lie that the enemy has given them. There's actually a very good historical evidence outside of the Bible. Some people say, ah, you use the Bible to prove the Bible. No! These are extra-biblical. These are outside the Bible. There are more than 30 sources outside the Bible written within 150 years of Jesus' lifetime that attest to over 100 facts about Jesus. Secular people, news writers that were writing, historians that were writing, and they're attesting to the facts of the Bible, over 100 of Jesus' facts, And they're given to us by these secular writers. There's even this uh, secular historian, Josephus. You probably have heard of Josephus. And in his writings, he says this. He mentions that that there are more than a dozen individuals talked about the Bible uh, uh, that we see uh, that he's talked about that proves that. But here's one specific uh, quote from him. He says, at this time, there was a wise man. Now, this is a historian. He's not a Christian. He's not trying to promote Christianity. He's just writing down what's happening. At this time, there was a wise man who was called Jesus, and his conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous. And many people from among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified to die. And those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and that he was alive. This is someone giving up-to-date news of when it's happening. And you know how, you know, they talk about fake news and how, I mean, they're just right there with the cameras telling it as it's happening. This is what's happening. That's exactly what he's doing here. I'm telling you. This extra-biblical writings, they come and corroborate the details of the Bible. I mean, the flood, uh, how the lifespan was long before the flood, uh, details around the Exodus. I mean, I could go on and on, list and list and list, where extra-biblical writings come and corroborate what the Bible says happened. Hallelujah. And then the fifth thing here is, I love it, scientific accuracy and foresight. I mean, when it comes down to being tested, verified facts, the Bible has been found to be in perfect harmony with the things as they really are. And I'm telling you what, this is incredible because the Bible was written thousands of years ago, long before the invention of microscopes, long before the invention of telescopes or satellites or other technologies which helped us to investigate the earth and the universe. Let me give you several examples. Let's speak of the sun. Psalms 19 and 6, David says, its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end. So that's Psalms 19 and 6. So he's talking about the sun has a rotation. Now, for many, many years, critics said the Bible can't be true because the Bible says that the sun is rotating. No, the sun is stationary. The earth rotates around the sun. It is true that the earth rotates around the sun, but as technology increased, they did come to find out that the Bible, I mean, the Bible's true, that the whole solar system orbits around the center of the Milky Way galaxy. That the sun, that what we have is is orbiting. The sun is not orbiting around the earth. The earth is orbiting around the sun, but the whole thing is orbiting around the Milky Way galaxy, moving at about 514,495 miles an hour. Now, I guarantee you that'll blow your hair back. And it takes... 230 million years to make one complete orbit. That's how big the Milky Way galaxy is. And the Milky Way galaxy is just a small galaxy that we're in. And and outside of that, there are numerous galaxies that go on and on, and God created them all. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. How about the shape of the earth? So now they're saying, oh, the sun is orbiting. Oh, maybe the Bible is right. How about the shape of the earth? Long before the Greeks figured out the world was round. And the ancient Egyptians and Babylonians and Chinese, they believed it was flat. Amazingly, the Bible went against the grain. And in Job 26.10, the oldest book in the Bible, here it said that God has inscribed a circle on the surface of the waters at the boundary of light and darkness. So when you look at the horizon where you go from light to day, he said there's a circle there. God has made it a circle. People used to say the Bible is inaccurate. The world is square. There were some that believed the world was triangular. And they said, this Bible can't be believed because the Bible says that the earth is round. Well, you and I know, uh, in Isaiah 40, uh, written about 700 B.C., there again, they would point at that scripture. Here, God sits upon the circle of the earth. Ha! You can't believe the Bible. The Bible has two places. It's talking about the earth being round. We know the earth's flat. Guess what? They found out they're wrong, and the Bible is right. Once again, hallelujah. You can trust the Bible. Another, the suspension of the earth. Before Isaac Newton discovered gravity, the Hindus believed that the earth rested on the back of an elephant and the elephant on the back of a turtle that was swimming in a great endless sea. You laugh, but that's what was believed. And the Greeks believed in the mythical god, uh, uh, Atlas, that carried the earth on his shoulders. You've probably seen pictures of that. But what did the Bible say in the face of all of that? Job 26 and 7. Again, holy book in the Bible. He, God, hangs the earth on oh, nothing, and they laugh. No, it's on the back of an elephant. It's on the back of a turtle that's swimming in the endless sea. Somebody needs to laugh at that. Come on now. Or there's this mythical god Atlas got it on the back of his shoulder. Somebody needs to laugh at that. They no, they were laughing, saying, "God, this thing you hung it out in the earth and on nothing." But with Isaac Newton, they found out with the gravitation and how all that works, that the gravitational polarization is keeping it there, but there's no strings attached. It's hanging out there on nothing. So they found out once again that man was wrong and the Bible was right. You can trust the Bible. Hallelujah. You look at the stars. Before they invented the telescope, people believed that the stars could be numbered. I'm telling you, there was a Hipparchus in 190 BC. He was like, "Well, I've counted them, and there's 1,026. Look how smart I am!" Another astronomer and mathematician, Ptolemy, in 85 AD, he said, "I'm smarter than Hipparchus, and I find there's 10,056 stars." He missed. He missed 30 stars. <laughs> And then there came this German astronomer, Johannes Kepler, in 1571, and he counted and he said, you're all wrong, I'm smarter than you. There's only a thousand and six stars. And then when Galileo, this devout Christian, pointed his telescope into the heavens in 1608, he went, oh my goodness, you cannot count them, they are innumerable, they go on and on and on. And he found out what the Bible said is right in Jeremiah 33 and 22. The host of the heavens, the stars, cannot be numbered, nor the sand of the sea be measured. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you once again, the smartest people that thought they were on planet Earth were wrong. And the Bible once again was right. You can trust the Bible. And today, with telescopes as powerful as they are, astronomers tell us that the universe contains somewhere between a hundred billion and a trillion. And that's a, that's a spread, a hundred billion to a hundred trillion. Okay, you can cover a lot of mistakes in that, right? And that's just in our galaxy, and there's a hundred billion of a hundred trillion stars in each galaxy beyond our galaxy. In other words, they're saying they can't be numbered. Wow. That adds up to a lot of stars, right? Now, all these statements that the Bible made about the stars, the universe, the earth, the sun, and all, yet they, 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 they were found to be true. They found to be true. I'm here to tell you, for prophecy never came by the will of men. We read in 2 Peter 1.21, but by holy men of God, when God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And all Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I'm here to encourage somebody today with this truth of God's Word. You can count on it. You can believe it. You can trust the Bible. And because you can trust the Bible when God said in His Word that I send my Word and heal all your diseases, you can trust the Word of God. And you can go ahead and claim it right now. The healing is mine. That I'm taking it by faith. And when He said, by my stripes you are healed, you can say, I take it now. I don't have to beg God. I don't have to plead God. My healing has already been provided in and through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And if He says, everyone who will call on the name of Jesus because you can trust the bible you can call on the name of jesus and you can be saved hallelujah and the bible says uh, that we are now therefore the righteousness of god in christ jesus if you will believe the bible trust the bible because you can know it's true you can take and place your faith in christ uh, and receive righteousness imparted unto you by god himself you can trust the bible and because you can trust the bible where it says that he who was rich became poor that you who are under that poverty curse uh, it can be broken off of your life and you can be made rich. I'm here to tell you because you can trust the Bible by faith you can receive a, a promotion right now. A supernatural divine assistance right now. If you abound, He come to set you free. If you can trust the Bible, freedom is yours right now for the taking in and through Christ Jesus. Salvation is yours for the taking in and through Christ Jesus. Deliverance is yours for the taking in and through Christ Jesus breakthrough is yours for the taking in it through Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, because the word of God is trustworthy, because you can know that you know, that you know, you can build upon this rock and no storm of life, no storm of life will be able to topple you over. You can trust the Bible. You can trust the Bible. All of the promises of God All of the promises of God. All of the promises of God. All you got to do is open it up and find one. It's yours. You say yes. It's amen. All the promises of God. All the promises of God in Christ Jesus is what? Yes and amen. Oh, you got to believe it. You got to believe it, and I pray today that God has used somewhat of a, a, an educational sermon to help give you the facts so that you can base your faith uh, on what God has said all along. You can. He said, "I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." I gave you my word. Uh, they have tried; martyrs have died uh, because the devil tried to wipe it away. The devil tried to burn it. The devil tried to destroy it. The devil tried to outlaw. The devil tried to kick it out. The devil tried to of uh, uh, tried to make you feel like it's a foolish book that is folklore that is full of error that is full of contradiction. Uh, over the years, he's tried, uh, but it's still the bestseller. It's still the most quoted. Uh, you go on social media today, uh, you'll see more scripture quoted uh, than anything else quoted by mankind. Uh, it is still the most published. Uh, it is still the most sold. Uh, it is still the most effective book on planet earth because it's not a book of man. No, God took men and God spoke through them and the Holy Ghost wrote through them and gave us the story of heaven and how we can live on earth to be reconciled with our God of heaven and not just to be reconciled but to be given our authority back over the power of the enemy that we might take our stand and declare thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There we become the conduit as the body of Christ for the anointing of heaven to flow in us and through us to bring forth the will of God around us. It's time the church arise and get back on the foundation of who we are and whose we are and what we have and say, Holy Spirit, use me. Use me. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord God, we want to stand in your presence as we close. But Lord God, we're not going to close to bring forth an ending. Lord God, we're going, to, we're going to shift gears. We've got work to do this week. We've got kingdom of God to advance this week. We've got to occupy this week. Lord God, we've got to lay hands on some sick and see them recover this week. We've got to share the gospel. The good news that we're confident in. The same good news, an amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. We got to share it with others. We got to share it with confidence. We got to share it with zeal. We got to share it with love. We got to share it with authority. We got to share it with compassion. And we got to share it with power. Lord God, I pray that you would raise up a mighty army of men and women here today who are not afraid who are not letting some boisterous, loud-mouthed person who is attacking the Word of God, who is attacking their faith because of some liberal, ungodly lifestyle or habits that they don't want to give up. No, but that we'll plant our feet down and say, this is the plumb line God has given us. This is the moral compass we're going to live by. You can choose to violate it, which will only lead to destruction, but that's your choice. But we're not backing down. The Word of God is true. The Word of God is proven. Nothing else has stood. When the sun, the moon, and the stars fall into the sea, the Word of God will still stand. I'm building upon the Word. I'm standing on the Word. I'm believing the Word. I'm memorizing the Word. I'm confessing the Word. I'm meditating on the Word. I'm walking out the Word. I'm purring the word I'm living the word I'm singing the word I'm worshiping in the word I'm living in the word I'm not backing down not backing down the first Adam yielded to the lie of the enemy and went against the word of God and destruction came but the last Adam said no Man shall not live by bread alone. He's still trying to fool me with an appetite. Still trying to fool me. You fool the first Adam with an apple or a fruit. Trying to fool me with a piece of bread. No. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the last Adam redeemed us because he stood on the word. The last Adam brought us reconciliation because he stood on the word. The last Adam brought us deliverance because he stood on the word. At that moment, he could have given in, but he said, no, I'm staying with the word. I'm staying with the word. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost of the word brought him out of that wilderness and gave him the food that he needed, See, even sending angels to minister to him. Lord, there's so many times we miss the angelic involvement of heaven coming and ministering to us because we step off of the word. We think it's going to be too, too hard to stand on the Word. We think the challenge is going to be too great or we're going to have a loss if we stand on the Word. But you've got angels ready to dispatch. You've got angels ready to move in and minister to us if we'll just stand on the Word. Lord, I pray there'd be a conviction, Holy Ghost conviction upon everyone listening to me today, Lord. And I pray right now, Holy Ghost, speak to them. Move on their heart. Move on their conscience. Move on their spirit. Move on their soul. Move on them, I pray. That they would go out of this place or they would go from the place that they're tuned in and they say, I'm going to walk in the Word. I'm going to live by the Word. I'm go- if the Word says it, I'm going to do it. If the Word promised it, I'm going to receive it. If the Word said move this way, I'm going to move that way. If the Word of God says this is what I shouldn't do, I'm not going to do it. I- I'm doing away with it. I'm aligning myself with the plumb line of God's Word. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to you now? just ask him say holy spirit speak to me make make application from this logos of your word this established word that cannot be altered or changed lord bring a rhema word a personal word to me just ask him right now god i want to receive that rhema word how am i applying this to me what am i to do and i pray that you'd be in the position posture move in obedience in whatever He shows you. Hallelujah. Lord, we know the time is drawing nigh and more than ever you need the church to be the church. Kicking in the gates of hell. Coming against the lies of the enemy. Coming against the the twisted perversion that the enemy is trying to sell us in the world this day. And say no. That violates the word. We're going to stick with God. Because he's always proven to be right. And he knows what's best because he created us. Hallelujah. You may not be saved today. Do you know? Do you know that you are saved? Do you know? Do you have confidence that if you took your last breath now that you would spend eternity with God? Are you assured of that? You can be. Why? Because the Word says, the Word that you can trust says, if you will call on the name of Jesus, you shall be saved. The Word says that unless a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The Word says from Jesus' own lips, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. There's not many paths. There's Jesus. Jesus. Paul on his name Paul says believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you've got extra biblical secular writings that says wait a minute this guy they buried three days later he's, he's, he's gone he's not there and the disciples unto martyrdom would not recant they said they saw him and, and for 40 days so many hundreds of others saw him even unbelievers who wrote about him Wow Paul said, if you'll believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Your Lord, do you surrender to him? Your Lord, you will be saved. Do so you want to know how to be saved? Call on the name of Jesus 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 Come, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of the living God. Jesus, I confess, you're Lord of my life. You're my Lord. You need deliverance? Call on the name of Jesus. That word that he says, call on his name, you shall be saved. Sozo, it right there means healed, delivered, saved, made whole. Covers everything. You need deliverance? Call on the name of Jesus. You need breakthrough? Call on the name of Jesus. You need wisdom? Call on the name of Jesus. And I'm just telling you, calling. You need healing? Call on the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's breakthrough in the name of Jesus. There's promotion in the name of Jesus. There's divine assistance in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Speak to us individually. You've been speaking to us corporately, but now speak to us individually, Lord, that we can settle the accounts right now. need to make if you need to settle that account on the altar the altar is always open in christian embassy if you need to make an altar where you're seated you can make an altar where you're seated there or standing there you can make an altar just just do it do it do it establish yourself establish yourself on the truth of god's word establish yourself on his principles establish yourself holy spirit have your way I see the Lord saying that some of you are going to blow, you're going to blow the dust off of your Bibles and I know that's figuratively speaking but you're going to open it up with a newness a newness of passion a newness of faith a newness of hope and this is going to be a week a miraculous week it's going to be a week of miracles I, I prophesy over you right now your, your week is going to be filled with miracles You're going to see the hand of God move in and through your life like you've not seen in a long time because you're placing your confidence and your faith and your declaration and your confession and your profession on the Word of God. You're going to stand on the Word. The Word has stood the test of time. Now you're going to stand on it and go forth miraculous in time. I declare it over you right now in the name of Jesus. Anything that you have need of, it's yours in the Word of God. That lines up with the will of God. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for those that have called upon your name and believe that you are the Son of God and confessed you, Jesus, as Lord of your lives. I thank you for them, Lord God, because they're saved. They're my brothers, they're my sisters, they're your sons, your daughters. And as we celebrate together going forward into this week, Lord God, by faith we go ahead and celebrate for the miracles that we're going to be testifying of next week. We're going to come in this place filled with testimonies. We're going to be coming in this place Wednesday night for that night of Ignite, of prophetic worship and praise. Lord God, and word, we're going to be coming in here with miracles, testimonies. Because we were shaken, we were stirred, we were called back to the Word. And we're going to stand on the Word. We're going to use the Word. It's alive, it's sharper than double-edged sword. It's alive, it's effective. We're going to use the Word. And the Word is going to bring forth the demonstration of heaven on earth. To you be the glory, to you be the honor, and to you be the praise. We thank you, Jesus, in advance for the miracles that are coming as we now go in Jesus' name. And all the people of God said... Amen. And all the people that are going to work the Word this week said,